Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Dental Practice Heroes podcast. We're doing a clinical episode again with my guys from CSI, Colorado Surgical Institute, Dr. Dan Brisky and Dr. Tahir Dune. Brisky had had a little technical difficulties, but he's here, and Tahir was here right on time, and we are ready to party. What's happening, guys? What up? Hey, man. How's it going? All right, dude. So Tahir just got back from a cruise. So it was my daughter's fourth birthday, and I have three kids. I got a six-year-old who just broke his wrist, like completely broke the radius. It was like in a different place. And then my daughter who turned four, my youngest, who's 20 months old. So I was like, all right, we're going to do Disney. No, Disney like, cruise? No, Disney cruise, yeah. We've never been on a cruise before. So I was like, all right, I'm going to spring for like a nice room. So we had two bedrooms. And the very first night, so my daughter wants to sleep with my wife because it's her birthday. So they're in one bed. I'm up with the boys in the other room. And at 2 a.m., and I'm sick. I'm just coming off of that. That's why I have, like, the boys to men voice right now. But so I took NyQuil to sleep. So my wife, like, wakes me up. I kind of wake up out of this NyQuil stupor. And she has my daughter in her hands, lays her down in the bed, and says, I need to talk to you right now. Like, serious, like, tone. Like, I hear this maybe, like, three times in our relationship. You know it's business. You know this is important. Yeah, it's super important. We put my daughter down. We leave the room. And she's like, somebody's in our bed. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm in my boxers and my t-shirt. I walk down into the room and there's like this gangly looking like beanstalk five foot 10 girl with like all this disheveled hair snuggling up with my daughter's mini stuffed animal sleeping in their bed. So my wife woke up and this girl is standing over her, tapping her, swaying back and forth, like from the ring. And then my wife's like, I don't know what she said. I can't remember. Like, but it was just surreal. Like you're waking up in a horror movie and this chick just like walks to the other side and gets into bed. And so I come down and she's asleep and I find out, you know, she's like a 14, 15 year old girl. So I'm like, okay, I thought someone drunkenly stumbled into our room, but We called medical emergency. We're like, there's someone in our room. Can you send someone over? And then when they called us back, she woke up and she saw me. So she starts hysterically crying because she's like. Because there's crazy man's in her room. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I was like, hey, sweetheart, you're just in the wrong room. Like, what's your name? Where's your room number? And then we have to have to like walk around and like her mom's searching for her in the hallways. And it was just like the craziest freaking thing. I'm glad she didn't like wake me up because I have that recurring nightmare where I'm paralyzed and someone's in the room and that's like a nightmare I have. So I'm just like, thank God that wasn't me (laughs) that she stumbled upon or like, thank God it wasn't like a 40 year old dude who's like drunk in the room. Well, see, when you were telling me about like coming off the cruise and you had the boys to men voice going and it was from being sick, it wasn't from being like, hey, baby, Uh, (laughs) looks like you wandered off to the wrong room, but that's okay. We're going to get you where you need to go. (laughs) No, no. No, that voice doesn't work anymore. <laughs> Dude, we used to, me and my brother used to play acoustic shows and bars when I was in dental school. And we used to play Under the Road. And like every time we would do that, baby, I'm so sorry, baby. And every time it was different. And it was just the most hilarious thing. And it's, it was great. Yeah. That's one of my karaoke songs, too. I love Under the Road. Under the Road? Yes. yes. Dude, I love Boys and Men. I love the popular songs. Like, I can't say I can go on deep tracks, but I don't really feel like they had many deep tracks. But hey, Brisky. What's up? You boys the men fan or what? <laughs> ABC one two three. <laughs> Wait, it was ABC BBD? 
Is that the? It was a, I think it was another bad creation, and Belle Biv DeVoe was part of that I East think, Coast I think fam. Belle Biv DeVoe. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder how much of our audience we've alienated at this point. They're just like, dude, shut up. Hey, let's talk about ABC, BBD, and PRP, PRF, OPP. <laughs> All that sh- stuff. What are we talking about, Brisky? We're, yeah, go, go. We're talking about PRP, I think. <laughs> sure, sure. I wanted to discuss a couple things on PRF, kind of how to integrate into the practice, how to charge for it, what codes you use. And I want to dispel a couple myths that I believe are untrue that are kind of taught surgically by a lot of different surgical institutes. Some of the things that will help a lot of people with implant success, wisdom teeth success, and having more predictable cases with even simple socket grafting. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's do this. I'm struggling to get serious right now. Yeah. <laughs> it's an interesting segue. <laughs> so this PRP stuff, it's pretty neat, right? <laughs> yeah. Was that a good segue? Was that a yeah. good yeah. question? Yeah. So, Paul, have you ever been in a class and they've told you, oh, PRF can act alone as a barrier to a bone graft? You ever heard someone say that? Yes, yes. People say, oh, I just put it over the top of my bone graft, and that's all I do. I don't use a membrane. It does magical things. You don't need a membrane. Yeah, right. Everything heals. The bone grows. (laughs) Sometimes the bone goes so high, it's an inclusion. Right. (laughs) So there's a ton of different research articles now out there. Even by Picos was the recent one. And they discussed and kind of broke down whether PRF can be used as a barrier membrane for guided bone regeneration. And all the basically specialist opinion on this matter is you can't actually use PRF alone as a barrier membrane. PRF will dissolve because if you have one to two layers, it will dissolve. If you, when you're doing a soccer preservation, you have to fill the bone up to the top, right? Like even with each adjacent tooth. But what happens when you use PRF is it resorbs, then you get this little crest, little well defect that happens at the top of the bone graft. And then you end up placing your implant like way deeper. So I just advise people definitely don't there's a lot of opinions online. I would recommend everyone to use like a non-resorbable membrane or resorbable membrane, but I wouldn't use PRF alone. I feel like, is there an argument about this? A lot of people, I, I see, you'll see all over Facebook, people like, hey, what membrane do you use? And people will be like, oh, I only use PRF. I'm like, oh, I don't know. So yes, I mean, you could, it may work sometimes, but I don't believe that it's a good solution for every, every graft that you do. And I think what we're aiming for here is just predictability. If you're going to do this a lot, you're going to want to make sure that you do this in a way where you get the same result every single time. And just using PRF as a membrane, like Brisky said, may work sometimes, but at the end of the day, you want to do what's predictable because you're the ones dealing with all the post-ops and the patients and your implant locations. So it's a very good adjunct and we use it in sinuses. We use it around implants. We use it in socket preservation and wisdom teeth on full arch cases. You can use it in a lot of places, but not necessarily by itself. And what Dune just said, those examples are perfect examples of when you can use it. Because when you use PRF alone, it can be used by itself as a membrane if you're not re-entering the site. So just like Dr. Dune said, like when we do a full arch, we're putting PRF over the ridge, you're not re-entering the site. Therefore, you do not need to use a membrane, right? Or... Even a lateral sinus, like after you do the grafting, you're going to cover the bone window. Same thing, just PRF, because you're not going to go back in there <laughs> and mess around with it. We believe in affordability when it comes to doing surgeries. So everyone keep in mind, you know, when, if you're not going to be re-entering a site and you have primary closure, PRF 
by itself will act as the membrane alone. But left exposed, it can't be used by itself for a bone graft. I'm just curious if you could just spend like just a quick one minute for anyone who's not doing PRF, who's on the fence of this seems like a lot taking blood and spinning it and all this stuff, getting your office equipped and implementing it at your office. How easy is this? It's a very inexpensive way to implement. You can get centrifuges off of eBay, Amazon, Pulmomed. There's so many different companies that you can go to to just get a centrifuge. Now, at the end of the day, they all work a little different. So you got to kind of make sure you talk to a friend who has a centrifuge that they know their settings. It just lowers the barrier of entry and learning, like the time and the speed to spin it. And then you need to order tubes and just very simple, like phlebotomy equipment. And it's all very, very inexpensive. Like per case, it's about $11 in overhead for the case. And you can draw, like this case I did this morning, we drew eight on them and everything was fine. And the reason why I like utilizing it just outside of the clinical efficacy for the locations you're going to use it is it gets you trained on how to find the vein. It's a nice wow factor for the patients and it's additional revenue that doesn't have to go through traditional insurance. So if you're taking some of these insurance plans, you're not making enough on these procedures. It's something you can bill out where it's a benefit to the patient. It's a benefit to your learning curve. It impresses the patient. And then on top of that, it has all the clinical benefits of it as well. And then if you're going to get into IV sedation, well, you have all these reps on finding veins and doing blood draws. And then eventually you get your team trained on how to do this stuff for you. And then you have time saving where you're not the one operating and doing all of it. So it's one of those things where it's very easy to implement from a cost and technical standpoint. And it should be something everyone strongly considers in terms of application into their practices, general or specialty. Anything else you want to add to that, Brisky? I mean, I just think it sounds, a lot of people, it sounds scary, right? Like, what you're doing, what you're taking I'm blood scared. from someone's arm, right? <laughs> like, yeah. Oh my God, can I do that? Well, you definitely can. <laughs> the investment to get started is around $600, just based on our list of items to just to buy. And protocol-wise, I hope no one takes a class on PRF. Please don't take a class. <laughs> it's unneeded. Don't take a $2,000 class to, to start your PRF, though. The biggest thing, if you really want to, do a one-day phlebotomy class at your local hospital, right? Maybe do that. But I wouldn't spend two grand on a class of PRF to tell you how to program your PRF machine because a lot of the time you're just going to be turned around and sold a $4,000 PRF machine where you could have got one off Amazon or eBay for $300, right? So we believe, again, still affordability, get things that are very practical, that are going to help the patient heal better. And that's the whole purpose. Awesome. And you can even contact patients who are paramedics, EMS, anyone like phlebotomists, nurses, and just say, hey, I'll pay you a couple hundred bucks, come in, train my team. And then if I have a questions, I'll give you a call if I run into anything. And then that's a really good, easy way. Now, of course, if there are state regulations in your specific state, make sure you look into it. We don't research every single state's board requirements. But as far as in Colorado and the people we talk to, it's a very low barrier of entry to learn this stuff. Hey everyone, I just wanted to share a recent success story I just heard about. Six months ago, Dr. Dushant Patel of Sumner Dental Group in Tennessee reached out to Relevance Marketing because he wasn't receiving a whole lot of traffic from his website or anything online. Relevance expanded the online presence by listing the dental office in all the online directories with consistent information, which is super important, fixing any errors, along with redesigning his website using content that Google upranks, all the while keeping aesthetics and search keywords in mind. They then began to publish 
includes blogs and information relevant to dentistry using the search keywords for their area. Now, in just a few months, Sumner Dental was in position number one or number two on the Google Map Pack and organic listings for almost every single dental keyword. They saw an 88.9% increase in phone calls as well as 115% increase in interactions with their Google business profile. Now, if you think having your phone ring almost twice as often with new patients could really change your practice, well, you're right. If you're looking for a transparent, no contracts, no BS, and results-driven online marketing program, look no further than RelevanceOnlineMarketing.com. It's who I've been using for almost five years. Can't say enough good things about them. Hey, mention the Dental Practice Heroes podcast and you'll get your first month free. Go to RelevanceOnlineMarketing.com to schedule your free demo today. That's www.RelevanceOnlineMarketing.com. Now, platelets, like PRF, like what is it, right? It's, if you're actually wondering what it is, it's you draw blood, you spin it in a centrifuge. It accumulates at the bottom of the tube after you spin it. And it consists of 95% platelets, 4% red blood cells, and 1% white blood cells. So everyone always like, oh, there's lots of white blood cells. No, it's actually just 1%. <laughs> it's really just the platelets. It's the platelets, it's a clot. So the whole purpose is to expedite the healing process of the bone graft to make sure the bone graft over the top of it heals faster, right? And same thing, if you add a clot to a lower wisdom tooth, it's going to heal faster, right? But one of the cool parts about PRF is, is because it releases growth factors. Growth factors help the tissue. So it also clots, but it also releases growth factors that helps the tissue heal faster too. So kind of just that double effect. And if we had to really just simplify it, those are the two things that I would say are what PRF does. I mean, is there anything bad that comes from PRF? I feel like people are doing like all sorts of stuff. Like they inject it in your face now and inject it into joints after like surgeries and stuff. Like, I mean, is there anything bad that comes from PRF? I mean, I feel like it's the magic sauce. Yeah. You just can't drink it. Why not? <laughs> I don't know. I heard it tastes funny. <laughs> yeah, I, I heard it tastes bad too. <laughs> I'd rather have some pickle juice, says my chaser. <laughs> Frisky wants some tickle juice. <laughs> oh, man. If that didn't land for any of the listeners, you got to go back like four episodes. All right. <laughs> All right. So, so we got more myths about PRF. What's up with PRF and PRP? What the heck's the difference? So 10 years ago, we were calling it PRP. A slightly more accurate way of addressing it now is PRF. But I use it interchangeably. But if you're going to talk about it with someone who like understands all like the physiology and like the tissue growth factors, epithelial growth factors, all that stuff we learned in dental school, I think more accurately stated is going to be PRF. And then people sometimes go a little bit further and there's like APRF and IPRF. And, and we can go down the rabbit hole of that. But more so than not, I think we want to focus upon like application. Like so in wisdom teeth, like Dr. Brisky said, it's you don't have to graft them. You just charge the patient extra hundred bucks per site or just extra hundred bucks in general. You, you made 90 bucks there. You get a good benefit for the patient. Make sure you scrape the distal of the second molar to make sure there's no tissue attached to that tooth because a lot of people just pull the tooth and then don't do that thorough curatage there. But then drop in your PRF there, sling in the suture if you feel like you need it. Ideally with PRF, you want to kind of hold it in place a little bit better. A chromic gut suture is advisable, but sometimes I'm not even using chromic. I'm just putting two slugs in each side and then moving on. One slug, not in a, and a slug is basically when you press it, you know, it kind of looks like a slug but you want to use two slugs per site when using PRF to have like the maximum amount of benefit. So that's how I use it in wisdom teeth. I don't use it on the uppers just because gravity is going to work against you and people heal up just fine on the uppers, traditionally speaking. 
but on the lower is absolutely a benefit to the patients. Yeah. And Paul, just like you're asking, so PRP is just PRP versus PRF. PRP just means that you're using an anticoagulant in it. So when we were younger and using it, I was using the wrong term. <laughs> I just wanted to call it that sticky stuff that really helps people heal faster. <laughs> Whatever the hell it's called. What's right? the sticky bone, Jazz? What's that? Is that like the fifth member of Bone Thugs? <laughs> making a lot of 90s references. I hope people are getting them. Oh, man. This is a good throwback episode. <laughs> That's because I went golfing today. <laughs> He's feeling good. Yeah, I'm feeling all right. I'm feeling okay. I'm good. Good. What other myths do we want to dispel today? So traditionally speaking, how I'm going to do it, I'm going to buy a press from eBay. You don't want the $500 press from like any traditional dental company to pay the tax. Just get a traditional PRF press from eBay or anywhere where you kind of buy these things because you don't have to pay the dental tax. We spin it down. I'll put in a set of like cotton pliers or college pliers in and I'll grab the PRF slug from the middle. It's like going to be this yellow component at the bottom. You have all the hematocrit at the bottom with that, where it's dark red. And then right in the middle is the slug. So I'll pull it out. We'll clip off all the attached hematocrit that's attached to the bottom of the slug. And then we'll put it in the press. When you press it, a lot of the fluid collects at the bottom. So for me, I'm hydrating my bone graft with the fluid that's coming off the press. And then I'm bone grafting with that. And then I'm using the flattened slug as a membrane. And if it's like an implant placed with a healing abutment, I'll make it a small slit in the middle and kind of poncho it over the top and then tuck it into the buccal and lingual and have it secured a little bit better that way. And I'll do that two times per implant site. Or if there's nothing you need from like an implant perspective, I'm putting two of those guys inside the wisdom tooth locations. If I'm using it in a vertical sinus, I'm cutting it into four pieces in order to push it into the sinus with some kind of, it's not necessarily an osteotome, but it kind of looks like an osteotome to push it into the sinus. The PRF is soft and it's fluctuant almost. So when you push it up against the Snyderian membrane, you're at a very, very, very low risk of tearing the membrane. And then you can follow up with your particulate after the fact. All right. Where shall we go with this now? Well, Paul, you asked about sticky bone. Uh, personally, I don't use sticky bone. I think it's a couple more steps and I'm a little bit lazy. I don't even know <laughs> sticky bone is. This is why I like having you guys on. You guys make me feel like clinically like inept. And I'm like, I'm like, I should learn this stuff. And I'm just like, no. I'm kind of done. Just, just don't, don't <laughs> Google done. it. I'm done. I'm done. Don't Google sticky bone. I'm totally going to Google sticky bone. <laughs> like, oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to say what is and let Google fill it in. And it's going to say sticky bone somehow. It's going to know. Okay, Brisky, talk to me about the sticky bone. What is this? Should we chat GPT it and see what they say? I think that's a good idea. <laughs> But no, sticky bone is basically you're just adding liquid to bone that makes it sticky and adds more space maintenance. Because of bone grafting, if you can maintain the quality and the amount of space a bone graft takes up, that allows a bone graft to heal better, right? Because it doesn't move. So all you do with, with this is you spin a white and red tube, both usually around 2,700 RPMs, for about three minutes. Then you pull the white one to get the fluid out of it on the top. And then you put the red one back in there to spin it for an, usually like an additional 9, 10, 11 minutes, depending upon what centrifuge you use. And then you add that liquid to the bone graft itself. That's all. 
You let it sit for a few minutes, and it sort of kind of congeals and comes together into one piece. Yeah, so it congeals so much that you can actually pick up the entire bone graft with a set of, like, you know, add some forceps or whatever, and the whole thing is sticking together in one clump. So in socket preservation, maybe not as needed, but if you're trying to gain, like, width using that technique or trying to keep it in one place statically a little bit more, then there's an application for it. But again, I'm not using it as frequently, but it is really cool when you do it. It's fun to do. It's not expensive to do. You just have to buy a couple white tubes and that stuff is super cheap. All right. Awesome. Well, if somebody wants to learn how to do PRP, they're going to reach out to somebody in their area, learn how to do phlebotomy, and you guys will tell them all about the centrifuge. And just don't pay for expensive class, everyone. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. And just reach out to us because the thing is we don't have an individual course for just PRP, PRF, whatever we want to call it. But at every single course we do, our attendees are doing their draws and spinning it and using it. You don't have to go to a separate course just for that. You can come to our course and we will implement it in any fashion that you see fit so you can get hands-on experience with it. Because the introduction to the practice for PRF is easy and it's highly advisable just for the clinical benefits for the patients. You know, it's wild. As I took a Botox course, this is the second Botox course I took, and it was somebody local. I think it was $200 for like a whole day. And I want to say the dental tax one I took, most of it was online. I want to say it'd be like 4500 bucks or something like that. It's unfortunate. Yeah. It's sometimes hard to know what the right courses are. And that's why I think these podcasts are beautiful because you can kind of distill out the knowledge amongst like a lot of people and find out, okay, when I'm doing an all on X, yeah, go get trained appropriately. It is high risk and there's a lot of complexity to it. And if I want to learn Botox and PRF, and I'm just going to do it in a very traditional, straightforward way and not try to do Steph Curry shots with it, then at that point, I mean, you don't have to spend thousands of dollars to implement it. All right. What do you got going on at CSI coming up? This episode is releasing next week. So what do we got coming up this summer? I mean, we are sold out for our June course, but we have a couple of spots available for our full arch course in August. And we do have some spots in our IV sedation course. We're doing a smaller group with the IV sedation course. But at the end of the day, you're going to come in, you're going to learn how to get IV sedation certified in your state, learn all the things that you need to implement, all the supplies and things you need. And then we also will run our live patient clinicals when we do our wisdom teeth and single implants in conjunction with IV sedation. And the reason why the IV sedation course is so cool is you're not going to be doing all your clinicals on profies and fillings. Like we're going to be doing IV sedation to do surgery, typically speaking. The reps you get here are the reps you're going to be doing at home. And that was one of my problems I had with the course we did was I came back and I was like, man, I haven't done surgery with sedation yet. And I haven't done a two-hour procedure with this stuff yet. And so kind of managing some of this stuff, I had to learn the hard way versus the way we're setting this up is going to be set up where you can go home and feel really comfortable about what you're going to be doing. Awesome. Check that out on coloradosurgicalinstitute.com. Thank you so much, guys. And we will talk to you in two weeks. See ya. Thank you, man. Sounds good, Brian. Hey, everybody. This is Dr. Dune from Colorado Surgical Institute. Just wanted to give you guys a shout out and let you know about the program. We have full arch surgeries. We have lateral sinus lifts. We have block grafting courses all done in one weekend with the whole digital workflow with photogametry units, scanners, 3D printers, milling, you name it, anything regarded to full arch, we cover in depth. We also 
have a PGCA course. What that is, it's the Postgraduate Clinical Accelerator course where we are gonna be covering wisdom teeth, single implants, and it can be complex single implants with vertical sinus lifts. We'll also be covering full arch extractions with ridge reduction, bone grafting, PRP, suturing, and we also will have a course on socket preservation. So if you guys are interested in any of those courses, please reach out to us at Colorado Surgical Institute. The code is